Hello and welcome to another edition of Dad to the Bone Podcast, where three dads normally sit around, talk about dad stuff, and wonder things like, have you ever tried eating a clock? It's really time consuming, especially if you go for seconds. <laughs> oh, the dad jokes. No, they won't stop. Hey, how are you guys doing? It's uh like week we don't know anymore into this global pandemic. We here at Dad to the Bone hope you are well, and we hope you know it's okay to not be okay. This is not normal. This is not the usual. No one anticipated this would last as long as it has. And um, you know what? We just want to give you some encouragement and let you know that you are okay and that we're all okay and that it's okay, again, to not be okay. Uh, If you want to check out some resources i'd encourage you to listen to the past two episodes where we talk about some numbers that you can call and uh, we'll also put it in uh the details of this episode but just know it's okay to not be okay on a positive note due to the conditions of the coronavirus we had a great opportunity to catch up with a author illustrator creator hollywood um i want to say legend um who is allowed us some time to sit down and talk with him via zoom about his creative process about parenting and so um we did a one-on-one with bill joyce you may have heard of bill joyce from such projects as toy story and roly-poly Oli and a list of others for which i will let him and rich talk to so with that i'll kick it over to rich and i will see you on the other side all right hey guys it's uh, rich here for great start and dad to the bone podcast i'm so excited because i'm joined uh by the incredible william joyce uh bill joyce if you will um i got a little little intro for him so i'll just read it off here uh bill is an author illustrator and filmmaker from shreveport louisiana on screen bill is known for many things um but just to name a few for creating the beloved children's tv shows uh george shrinks which aired on pbs roly polioli uh if you've seen it how i've seen it it was on disney channel uh and in film he's known for such films as Meet the Robinsons, Robots, Rise of the Guardians, and Epic, just to name a few. And these are all on-screen adaptations of books that Bill has authored. So in addition to that, Bill has written and illustrated more books than I can even name. So without further ado, Bill, thank you so much, man, for joining us today. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks, Rick. Um, Rich. How, are, how, are, how are you doing uh, with everything that's going on right now? Oh, man. <laughs> okay, we had to close the office and start working from home. Yeah. And that was okay for a couple of days, maybe a week. Right. And now I've had to work from distances for years and years. I mean, doing Roly Polioli, we were, we had production facilities in Ho Chi Minh City, in Paris, France, in Toronto, and in Shreveport. We were never together ever at the same time, except at the very, very beginning, very first meetings. Yeah. But for six years that we made that show, we were all over the globe. Wow. And I'm used to that being distant, but right. we were all working in groups somewhere. Right. And right now we're all working separately everywhere. Right. And it's, it's a little harder. Yeah. And, you know, and then just the day to day of trying to like, 
get food and yeah toilet paper i mean yep. i find myself like spending a whole day yeah instead of making up stories i'm in this dystopian story yep. of a toilet paperless world and it's, <laughs> right. it's a nightmare. uh well bill i just have a few questions for you today um so we'll just jump right into it like i said um Bill is an author and illustrator, um, and I, I guess the films kind of come after you. You do all that, and so just to start off, how did you first get into drawing, illustrating, storytelling? Like, how did that come about for you? The first, okay, it said that I was born with a pencil in my hand. Which, okay, yeah, it's that obstetric horror show from my mother, I think. But I've been drawing forever, right. and whenever I drew. Uh, a narrative seemed to un unfold naturally when I drew a dinosaur. <clears throat> it got a lot more interesting when you added either another dinosaur or a caveman. And, and then it's like, oh, well, what are these two guys going to do? Right. You know, the same drawing. And then I do another drawing and, you know, the caveman would be running for his life. You know, right. <laughs> or be trying to eat him. And then you'd I'd do another drawing and then you'd see you know, just the dinosaur, but looking very satisfied, kind right. of <laughs> happy and, and full. And there was no more caveman, but maybe there was a broken spear, right. you know, in his feet. So it was narrative kind of started coming into into play from the beginning. And so that's when I got started, basically, as a child. That's great. So it just kind of was a natural flow for you of creativity. You know, yeah. And then my parents were very encouraging. And then you know, I went to I went to art school for one semester, and okay. I was like, you know, I kind of I've been drawing so much, I've gotten I gotten you know a level of, of polish, and so without telling my father, <clears throat> I changed over to film, oh. and, uh, and graduated in film. He had no idea until graduation. He's like, why are we at the broadcast film? building huh. your graduation like, well dad you know, <laughs> right, right. got a degree in film and he's like what, <laughs> what are you gonna do with that i mean this right. drawing stuff was crazy enough my god right you know at least you can maybe draw a menu or something i don't right, know right. <laughs> <clears throat> but uh who's gonna let you make a movie and i'm like i don't know yet dad but right you know, here we are right so the plan my my you know plan was to write books and stories that somebody eventually in Hollywood want to make into a movie and yeah and that's exactly what happened and so the first call I ever got was from I got two calls in the same week uh, the first was from Francis Ford Coppola okay I did the Godfather movies he's like oh. I'm working on a story about zoos and I've read your book Dinosaur Bob and if you can make that believable, then you can make what I want to do believable. And so wow. I started working with Francis. And then later that week, that same week, you know, that's back when we had, you know, hardline phones. I mean, landlines were, and you could look people up in the phone book, right? Jeez. And what's that? Yeah. And <laughs> we're called directory assistance. And so I get this phone call late in the afternoon, and it's this guy, and he introduces himself, says he's a big fan. and he says his name is John Lasseter and you know, didn't ring a bell. And 
He's just starting. He does. He's an animator at Disney. He's working with this wow. company called Pixar. Wow. Didn't ring a bell. Wow. And, uh, he'd like to adapt one of my stories, or would I like to work on the, one of theirs? And I'm like, well, can you send me your, you know, your stuff? And he yeah. sent me sure. And he sent me <laughs> VHS tapes. Okay, that's how ancient this is. Of Tin Toy and Knickknack and Luxor Junior. Uh-huh. And I realized I'd read about these, and and I watched them. I'm like, I'm in. Yes, yeah. wow. this is what this is what I've been hoping animation would become. And so I started working on Toy Story right at the beginning, and wow. that was a great education. And wow. film school took off after that, in a way. Oh my and goodness! So it's. Then I worked on Bugs Life, and then I started. Then he introduced me to Chris Wedge. John did. He and uh, Chris and John were good friends, and so I started doing stuff with Blue Sky when they were just getting started. And so Chris and I came up with the idea for robots when at my birthday party uh, out on Lake Bistano, Louisiana, this primordial lake filled with uh, ancient cypress trees with moss hanging to the ground, Mm -hmm. and. uh, in tuxedos was this formal weekend like party and and at dinner you had to you know wear a tux and right we had this great food this chef and coming over chris and i got gotten into our cups a bit and uh decided to go canoeing at midnight <laughs> in uh in december and uh it was really cold and the fog rolled in and we couldn't find our way back. Oh my goodness. And we thought we were gonna die. And in tuxedos in a canoe on Lake Vista oh, in December. And that's when we came up with the idea for robots. We're like, well, let's make up a movie as long as we're stuck out here. Wow. And goodness. so we stayed friends and kept making movies. And you know, that's the whole career it kind of backed into itself. I mean, I kept doing right. books. People kept wanting to do movies out of them. Well, yeah. Robinson became Meet the Robinsons, Rise of the Guardians. It's, it's been, I got to use my, my film degree. And then I decided to make one of my own um, just for, I don't know, to prove that I could do it. Right. You know, here in Shreveport. So we made a short film off of, made from one of my books called The Fantastic Flying Books of Mr. Morris Lessmore, very long title, yep. a relatively short book. And we made it, at the, we, we put the book together at the same time I was directing the short film version of it. Right. We were making here in Shreveport. And then the iPad was announced while we're doing that. And we have to make this available to some, for, to the iPad on what they call applications. Right. Or, or the, the nomenclature became an app. Right. <laughs> so we did, and the film won the Oscar for Best Short Film, and the the app became a giant seller. It completely, just, it, it was mentioned by one famous tech guy, who I'm not supposed to name, but he's one of the one of the one of the one of the ones you all know. Right. And it. We got 14 million hits in a day, and it crashed oh. our server, and everything was on fire. And oh my goodness! <laughs> and and it kept the studio going for about five years. That's the success of that. And so, wow! Off the app, off the app, 
Wow. And, and then the book came out and became a number one bestseller. And then there you go. The, the film won an Oscar. So it was just an experiment in seeing, well, can you do this anywhere? Which is something that, that both John Lasseter and Chris Wedge both told me, like, it doesn't matter where you are now. It's just getting people together and getting the tools. Because right. Pixar had started, you know, in, you know, a kind of sketchy part of like Oakland. Right. And Blue Sky was in an old dentist's office in Harrison, New York. So I was like, I think, yes, it could right. be anything. So now I'm just still doing that. Yeah. With whoever will put up all the money. That's incredible. So you're an amazing storyteller, obviously. Um, you're able to bring your visions to life. One of, one of the other guys, his name's Quinn, um, that's from the dad's team. He, he asked this question. He said, what's something that we as parents could do to be creative with our kids to help them develop their visual storytelling? To help develop their visual storytelling. That's, that's the interesting, that's the curve in the question. Right. And look, every kid wants to know how to draw. Every body can learn how to draw. It's a question of just giving them the confidence to sit down and with their hand and with their eye and with their crayon or whatever it is they're using, piece of pencil, give them the confidence that what they see, they will be able to put down on a piece of paper and it doesn't have to look exactly what's in front of them. Right. You know? I mean, some of the best art, some of the best drawings, especially in, in, in children's literature, don't look exactly like what's there. Right. In fact, they evoke it and invoke it and stylize it and make them feel confident that they can do that. That it's good. Yes. I think some of the best drawings I see ever on a daily basis are what kids draw when yeah. they're just chilling out and having fun and not worrying about the details. And I would love to open actually like the World Children's Art Museum that's all the masterpieces that I've seen over the years done by four-year-olds and five-year-olds, 10-year-olds. I mean, they, there's an innocence and there's a sense of, of, color balance and or lack of color balance just daring stuff and composition yeah. that's just to me it's like amazing what they come up with right and the same way with storytelling like you and i do this with with my first kids and i have i have two uh, I have twin eight-year-old stepchildren now wow and a boy and a girl and it's it's so delightful and so it's, it's so much time can be used at this time when we have all this time. Right, know? right. Yeah. We have a gift of time right now. And yeah. We have to not think of it as like, oh my God, we're marooned in isolation. This is a gift, fellas, especially yeah. if you're a parent. You know, sit down with your kids and go, hey, let's make up stories today. And maybe we'll draw them. And maybe we'll just tell them. Maybe we'll do both. And there's so many ways to make that compelling for them. Like, okay, so there's a worm with glasses, and he's lost his glasses, and right. he needs help. Who would help him? 
you know, and then just sit there with them and they will come up with such cool, goofy stuff. Yeah. And some of it really touching and some of it really terrifying and some of it really, (laughs) (laughs) kids love gore. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Right. You know, I mean, it's like, we did one the other day. I was like, there was a baby piranha who was really hungry and (laughs) what should he eat? (laughs) (laughs) And man, and this, this, this eight-year-olds, Max and Isabel, they went to town. It's like, oh, they ate, they ate the Empire State Building, and they oh, ate yeah. it. <laughs> right. They were so full, and they just fell on and on and on. So, just having fun with them yeah. and letting their imaginations just gallop, which yeah. they will, yeah. is is make it make it fun. Don't make it. Oh, you didn't do that right. Yeah. Discipline can come later. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But to get the hook in them. Yeah, let them fall along with it. Yeah. It's a lot of times just listen to what they want. Like, yeah. if they go, Dad, I want to be able to draw better. Yeah. I want to be able to draw what's in front of me. You know, there's tons of tricks to teach that. I took an art class, one of the few I took, um, where this massive, masterful craftsman a really good uh, drawer <laughs> really taught us all how to take what we see in front of us and put it on a piece of paper realistically. It's not alchemy. It's not magic. It's just paying attention. Right. And, and that's because you can, you can see something it's there. It doesn't morph into different shapes. So if it's there in front of you, you can with your pencil make those shapes and put them on a piece of paper it's just hard to get your brain to sort of realize what the spatial demands are or whatever it is, but it's practice basically. Yeah. So if they want to learn how to draw better, learn some basic methods. You know, go on the, either use your instincts or go on Google. Right. And see what people say, but it's, it's all of it's achievable. None of it's outside of our grasp. I've been in that club. When I was in that class in college, there are all these people that had never drawn in their lives. And would literally proclaim, I cannot draw. And, right. and actually, you know, like almost as a boast or a dare. But by the end of this semester, you know, that teacher had taught them all how to take what they saw with their eye and put it on a piece of paper yeah. in, a, in a way that was compelling. Yeah. And it gave them great satisfaction and great pride. That's, it's not magic. It's just yeah. practice and thought. Awesome. But if you just want to freewheel it, freewheel it. Right. Go to town. Yeah, that's great. So I, th- I think I was doing my research right in this. Um, your son is an illustrator, correct? Yeah, yes, he, he is. He, he's done pretty well. Um, so yes, as, a, as a parent, um, what did you do like in your young kids to encourage them in that? Like, I know you just said, you know, kind of let them be, be creative, let them run wild with it, let them fall in love with it. But is there anything specifically you did or – uh, that maybe you'd have to keep on them about uh, or, or to not necessarily push them, but maybe even kind of push them to, to stay on top of it because you saw something there. You know, I never pushed them and I never tried to keep them on top of it. Mm-hmm. I just like, to me, it was like, if it's there, it's there. Yeah. And that will come out. Yeah. And what, what was interesting, what I think was really beneficial for them or what helped, my son especially like choose this route 
was he was around me and my team since he was a little kid. Yeah. And it, at one point, because <laughs> I mean, I consider myself like, I am an artist and an author and a filmmaker. So I have these different wheelhouses or sandboxes, whatever you want to call them, that, you, that I play in. And so from their earliest childhood, they were seeing the people I work in publishing. They were right. seeing how I did a book, mm -hmm. which is a more isolated and solitary you know, endeavor. Right. They would come in and they're like, Dad, what are you doing? Well, I'm working on my book today. And, you know, where are you writing? Or are you drawing pictures? You know, today I'm drawing pictures. You know, okay, what's this, what's this about? And I would tell them. So they got to see the whole process. So it's like dad's job, right? Right. But what I think fueled this for them even more was seeing me working with animators and storyboard artists and, and, and different people in animation and film. Um, I remember they first met one of my teams they, we'd been filming down in New Orleans, uh, doing miniatures for a shoot for what would, what would become years, years, years and years later, The Rise of the Guardians. We did a short film about the man in the moon. Yes. Um, and so they, I, they were like, where's daddy's a gun for five days? And this is, they were pretty little. They were like five years old, five, four or five. And so I brought the guys to, to dinner when we came back up to Shreveport. And so they meet these guys and they're, and, and my son took me aside a little later. And he goes, dad, <clears throat> these, are these grownups or some kind of weird children? <laughs> <laughs> and I go, what do you mean, Jack? And he goes, okay. Okay. They, they're tall, like grownups, right? And they know how to drive. And, but they, they don't dress like normal grownups right. and they, 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 they laugh way too much. Wow. Know? And they smile all the time and that's, grownups don't do that. So what, who are these people? Wow. What, are, <laughs> what like, observation, huh? I know, I know. <laughs> and I was like, they're, they're, you know, they make films, they're, they're artists like I am. Yeah. And so years later when he was a teenager, Jack, my son, was sitting there, he was doing his homework up at my office, and we're working on Morris Lesmore, we're working on the storyboards for it. There are three of us. And we were laughing so hard at ourselves. I mean, we were amusing ourselves deeply that day. Right. <laughs> sure. and, and I mean, to the point, you know, we could not stand up. I mean, we're just laughing so hard. Yeah. And I looked over to Jack and he gave me this like, kind of like wistful, yeah. far away expression on his face. I'm like, are we, are we disturbing you? Are we keeping you from homework? And he's like, no, man. I'm just trying to figure out how to grow up and do the same thing. Right. Wow. <laughs> so wow. That, was, that was how I dealt with it. And yeah. I actually kind of said, Jackson, this is, this is a tough business. And, you know, it's, it's like you talk to people who's, who are actors and their kids want to be actors, you know, there's always a little reticence. It's like, please go be a doctor. Right. What we do is hard. Yeah. And a lot of luck's involved. And, and I did my dutiful, are you sure about this? And he's like, yeah. are you kidding? Right. And now he's doing extremely well. I mean, I'm very, very proud of him. This stuff is entirely different from my style. He was very purposeful about that. Right. And, 
but he's been out of Rhode Island School of Design for two years now, and he's done stuff for Paris Review and for Washington Post and for CBS, and now he's, he's designing some stuff, uh, murals, and he has a gallery in New York. And, wow. You know, How proud are you? Oh, give me so, a break. Right. <laughs> that's, like, that's like a shot of bliss every time he right. you know, gives yep. me a call and says, oh, I sold another painting. You're like, yeah. There you go. Um, so this next question is uh, one that's probably more for me uh, or anybody else that, that's a Guardians of uh, Childhood fan. But um, so Guardian, the Guardians of Childhood was adapted uh, into Rise of the Guardians, the movie. Um, and so the Guardians you have are uh, you have Tooth, Man in the Moon, Sandy, North, Bunny and Jack Frost. So my question for you is, who is your personal favorite Guardian? You know, it's I like know. I can tell you mine. mine. Mine is North. I love North. Um, <laughs> maybe it's just that Christmas kind of kind of mood. But when I saw it on screen as well, I just love the adaptation too. How he's just that big, you know, big burly looking guy. Man in mood, you know, like uh, I love him. He's he's my favorite. But I could, I think I see a lot of cosplay for Jack Frost. There's a lot of Jack Frost love uh, oh, yeah. naturally. I think you know. Well, here I'll tell you about how it evolved and. It all started with the idea of, of, of North, of Santa Claus, being the central guardian in the saga. And because he was, to me, he was the, the titan of, right. of what I had decided were the guardians. I mean, it all came from when my kids asked me one morning at breakfast, does the Easter bunny know Santa Claus? And, and you know, I just sat there and I went, yeah. Wow. You know, yeah, they, they hang out. You know, yeah. I mean, they, they kind of work together because they got they got to keep the holidays, you know, kind of going. It's a it, it's like the school teachers, you know, they have different parts of the year. And right. And, and they're like, oh, cool. Really? Well, <laughs> gosh, I mean, what are their different jobs? And I was like, well, uh, let's see. You know, let's think about that. You know, I think that, you know, you got to get everything to one place, like for the for the tooth for, for the for uh santa claus he's got to get everything in, together in one night or delivered in one night right and so does so does the easter money so they kind of have to like you right. know, team up a little bit to pull that off and the tooth fairy she's an every night girl man she's like people are losing teeth every night she's got to keep this going 365 yeah. days a year she never gets a break and and then it, it, it's all the stuff started tumbling in my head and so for a long time, North was, was sort of the central figure. Right. And then, and Jack Frost was this very tragic figure in the stories. He was uh, kind of a Rip Van Winkle character yeah. who had saved his family from the Transylvanian, the werewolfian hordes of Transylvania. Right. And been frozen in this avalanche that saved his village um, that he had induced and was frozen for a hundred years and he came, woke up and everybody was, everybody he loved was gone. They, yep. they aged and died. And so though he had saved them and they had lived their lives, he had never been a part of it. And so there's mm -hmm. something very poignant about that. Yep. And so when we started working on, I, I, when I started working on the movie, I was, I was building the saga at the same time, the saga right. of the books. And the books were always, this is an agreement with them and they were very happy about that agreement. 
that the books would set up the movie mm -hmm. and then it would be what happened before, long before the movie started because we didn't want to get in that position of changing things that were in the books, you know, for time or whatever, because movies are a whole different kettle of fish. I mean, right. When people say, Oh, I like the book better. It's just, it's, it's best to think of them as separate things. I mean, yeah. trying to make a good movie and trying to make a good book are, are different goals yeah. and involve different elements. You know, you can go into much more detail about a character in a novel and an incident even than you can in a movie, movies move. And so you have to just give the impression, the gesture, the, the essence of a character rather than explain them. People right. get bored with that. They want to see things happen in the movies. Yeah. And so to do The Guardians is like, look, let's free ourselves up. I'll be working on these books and we'll, we'll line up all the mythologies in a way that, that works. Yes. And I was working on the story of the movie and in the stories of the books at the same time. It, one of the unexpected bonuses or treasures of that was whenever I got stuck, I could say, I'm stuck. Right. To Jeff Patzenberg. And he go, okay. And they would put together a team of writers and story guys from DreamWorks. We'd all get in a room and then they go, Bill's stuck. You know, and so let's let's hit around, let's 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 you know, knock around ideas that can help this. Shake it loose. And, and it was so liberating wow. and so exciting. I mean, I've been working with teams of people for a while, but I've never like trusted to just sit down with a group of people I didn't know very well and right. say, here's my baby that I'm working on like crazy. Help me out. Right. And, but in the course of one of those meetings, um, one of the story guys goes, you know, what if Jack Frost was a kid? And... I mean, it just hit me like, like a lightning bolt, you know. I had him as this adult, this mournful adult. And we had a bunch of adults already. And what Jeffrey had suggested was to treat the guardians in the same way structurally as, say, the Magnificent Seven, that, that Western about yep. seven, seven gunfighters that go up against this huge you mm -hmm. know, bandit, a bunch of banditos and how they came to be and who was kind of the who was the, the focus on one character one guardian and make that his story be sort of the intro into into, into the club right guardians, which is kind of what what the magnificent seven and the seven samurai the the wonderful pure saw film that it's based on does i mean you start out with the main guy who's kind of the santa claus figure and he puts together this team. And right. there's a, a, young, a young, reckless samurai that, that is almost too volatile to, for it to work, to, right. for him to be a part of the team. Right. And, and so then it was like, okay, so which guardian is it? And once that guy said, what if Jack Frost was a kid? Wow. I went, that is so awesome. Every kid feels that disconnect. Every, every kid feels like, and he's stuck being a kid forever. Yeah. Like, what a nightmare to be yeah. 14 for like 500 <laughs> right. years. Right. And you want to belong, and yet you don't, and you, at the same time, you disdain adulthood. So you're, right. you're somewhere in between. Yeah. And that, that, that what, a, what, a, what a compelling main character that would be, this guy who 
wants to belong and wants to matter, but still wants to be as, as free as he was as a kid. He's trying to find a place, a center, you know? Right. And, and the kids, all kids kind of feel that way, that, un, that they're not seen, that they don't matter, that they can't affect change in an adult world. Yeah. And that changed everything. Yeah. And I, I love hearing the backstory to this because that, like that, that, I already love the, the, the scene in the movie when this happens, but when North is holding the, you know, the little stackable dolls and he goes, what is your center? You know, like that, that whole scene, you know, uh, sounds like that's kind of what you just unpacked and like what a powerful scene that is, you know, already where it's like, you don't have to be like me. You can be like you, but find out what makes you, you, you know, that's man. It's, it's, it's awesome to hear kind of like, cause when you, you're explaining the whole Jack Frost thing and then how you guys adapted it and all that, and the creativity is just, it was probably awesome in that room. That feels like. It was, it was an amazing day. And, that's, it, and it, it was a valuable le lesson for me to learn that, like, I mean, I thought I knew what this story was. I thought I knew these characters in the world I wanted to create with a sort of absoluteness. And, right. but, and I'd seen that happen before. I mean, tons of times when you go in, and you're like, okay, I've got this figured out. And then somebody in the room comes up with something better. And you have to be able to say, oh, my God, I'm wrong. Right. And that guy, that was better. Now, let's, right. let's take that and see what happens. And that was one of the most powerful moments in my, in my whole career. Because he said it, like, tentatively. It was like, what? I mean, everybody's quiet from it. Nobody knew what to do. And he goes, what if, what if Jack Frost was a kid? And, and it like, I was like, oh my God, it's like, it's like, it's like Peter Pan. I mean, you know, he can never grow all the way up. And that was the tragedy of Peter Pan. But he yeah. wants to grow up. Peter Pan didn't. Right. And, and so, you know, yeah, it's, it's, that's the fun part of the job. It's lovely to sit here by myself and come up with stories. And, and execute them exactly as I see them. Right. But more and more, even as I get older, I call up friends, people I work with in story, people I work with in art, people I work with in anything now, and go, okay, here's what I'm thinking, and talk over my stories with them. Because almost everybody has, gives you a spark of something. Right, yeah. And also, it's also absolutely fundamentally essential to tell your story to people over and over again to read it or just tell it because yeah. you'll feel just from one-on-one -on -one, you'll feel the soft spots you'll feel the places where you know you haven't quite done everything you need to do to connect mm -hmm. it in a way that feels inevitable and powerful right and you'll know it you'll know it you'll know it as it comes out of your mouth like Here's the soft spot. Right. Uh -huh. really work. Gotta work on this. I'm not as smart as I thought it was. Right. And so figuring out how dumb you are every day is part of the process, but it's joyful to wake up and go, oh my God, I'm not stupid today. Wow. Bill, my last question for you. Um, even though, I, I mean, I feel like I can talk to you all day. This is just, I'm like inundated. This is awesome. Um, my last question for you is, um, What's something, this, this question is also from one of our dads, um, what's something that you wish uh, you could tell the six-year-old you? The six-year-old me? Yeah. I had a cousin 
who was older, 10 years older than me. Mm -hmm. And he, he was, we were all kind of artistically minded in, in, among my family and my cousins, which used to drive our very, very country parents. <laughs> like they were baffled. Like right. what, what is this? Like yeah. we're farmers right. poor, <laughs> and you know, and now these kids are reading Shakespeare and they want to paint go foreign right. lands. I mean, what, what, what? And so my cousin Johnny had gone to Juilliard in New York, which terrified my, my parents, my grandparents were like, up there in Yankee country. And um, <laughs> I mean, to them, the Civil War was still kind of like touchy. And, and it, but Johnny went to Juilliard and lived in New York and became a, an opera singer, a concert pianist, and an actor. And so he was in plays, he was, he was doing opera, he was playing concerts. It, it, it was fantastic, bigger than life persona and, and a very accomplished career. And he would come home from New York when I was a kid and I was always really drawn to him because it was like I was drawing all the time. I was making up stories and he was very, very garrulous and he loved being the, the, the grand gent right. you know, arts for, for little Bill. And, but he told me and it was the best advice. It's the strangest advice. And, and it bothered me, but it, it's, it's the one thing that stuck. I mean, you can say all that stuff about stay true to your vision, all those things. And what I, what I learned was actually, sometimes you don't stay true to your vision. Sometimes you have to be open to someone having a better idea. Mm. And, but that expands your vision, you know, don't be so, don't be so precious with your own thinking to know when you, when you're, when you suck and how you can be better. But right. that wasn't anything that Johnny told me. That wasn't advice I ever got. That's just stuff I sort of had to learn. Right. But the advice he gave me, it haunts me still. He said, things are going to be completely different than the way you expect nothing's going to go the way you think it will you know you have a talent and that may be enough but there's a lot of things at force at play in anyone's career and anyone's life and i guarantee you you're going to be surprised by a lot of the things that happen and how things work and how things don't work so don't get like discouraged when things go completely off the rails, things will settle down and you'll probably find a way, but it's not gonna go the way you think it will. Wow. And wow. boy, was you right. Right, <laughs> cool. yeah. Well, Bill, um, I'm not gonna take any more of your time. Um, we're gonna be sharing this with our parents, with our dads, all that stuff. You said a lot of awesome things that I think we all could benefit from um, as creatives, as, people as parents um but real quick before we go i want to give you the opportunity to sign off how you see fit and then also let everybody that is going to see this know how they can stay up to date with what you're doing cool i want to show you all the, the studio real quick so awesome. it's, this is my new studio i just moved down a few months ago and it's gonna I, i'll try to pan this well you know i'm an okay cameraman <laughs> sure. 
like, and I can't tell what I'm actually showing you very well. So, <laughs> okay, there's there's a door. Yeah, that's awesome. All right. Um, so storyboard after storyboard is how, oh my gosh, I'm such a bad camera guy. These are different stories I'm working on. Here's one of my desks. Wow. Um, more storyboards. All these are different stories that I'm developing. And so I'm just... Wow. Yeah, that looks, that looks like, a, like Ikea right there, man. <laughs> <laughs> and then we wow. Come so all those are different storyboards and like developments that you're working on? Yes. Wow. And then, and then there's, I was work just doing some stuff yesterday about Guardian's drawings, trying to, trying to get them all organized. So the floor is covered wow. with Rise of the Guardian's drawings. That's an early pitch. Uh, design right and here, bottom, it with bottom right. It with it's just the yeah. eyes. Excuse me, you're talking about the, the one right here where it's just his eyes kind of glowing, it's like very shadow. Yes, yes, yes. Wow. but we found that kids were absolutely abjectly terrified. <laughs> I can see them, kind of you know, chill them out a little bit. But. <laughs> There's, I do thousands of drawings every time we start working on one of these things. And here's just a sample. Wow. And then, you know, more storyboards. Of, I'm always working about 12, you know, 10 to 12 different ideas at a time. And now, how many, how many of these are like the original drawing that, or, or are you at a point now where like you're doing it digitally, like on screen, and then you're printing these out? You know, it's some of both on, say, on, oh, this one's a big one. On this one, <laughs> you know, we want this to look realistic. We want it to be a live action film. Right. And it's about, you know, two super genius dogs. One is a Chihuahua and one is a Scotty. And, <laughs> and look at that topic. They become titans of industry, and, but it's tough because, you know, it's, a, it's, it's not a dog's world. Right. <laughs> so the Chihuahua belongs to uh, Joe Bloom, who is my lead artist, and his name is Dr. Cosmo in real life. So we just take pictures of Dr. Cosmo and then comp them in and Photoshop everything. And then it's like okay. we find this background, but we build everything else. Right. And so it's, that becomes very digital. I mean, wow. I did a, a drawing of Cosmo. Um, <laughs> Early on, he's kind of a, he's a volatile chihuahua, <laughs> uh, prone to gunplay, <laughs> and he has he has Pharrell Williams hat. But it, I, I, I drew right. like yeah. I drew him in the style of Frogenard for some reason, and uh, and so you know we still everything blends. I mean, old school sitting down with a piece of paper and then you know going to digital um, is is the way we sort of do stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's great fun. I mean, awesome. We never get tired of it, and yeah. we learn new tricks all the time. And you know, we have the equipment to get things done. So, and so you're telling me that even the magnificent creative mind of Bill Joyce keeps learning? Oh my God! <laughs> Are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. it doesn't stop, and that it keeps you young. Do, so. do this real quick. Turn, turn the, I saw those real quick. Show us all that, that, that metal right there. 
Okay, those are my six Emmys. And the the Oscars at the shop. <laughs> oh my goodness. The, too many people handle the Oscar and you got kind of dented up. Oh, and yeah. so I, I had to send him back to the Academy to get refinished. And then the coronavirus hit. And I don't know when I'm going to get Oscar back, but I miss <laughs> him. You know, I really enjoy, <laughs> enjoy having Oscar around. Around. <laughs> Here's a cool thing I want to show you real quick. When we're, I, I love in, in the process to, to go from two dimensions to three dimensions. So, you know, I start with this drawing of this character who is a heroic um, scarecrow. And, but from those drawings, you know, he's going to be an, animated. And uh, I found a sculptor in San Francisco, Jessica Dalva, who we'd wor I'd worked with before. And from that drawing, she crafted this beautiful oh, wow. um, figure of him. And it's incredibly helpful for us, you know, to work with him. And he's poseable. I can, I can, you know. Oh, wow. That's and super cool. Saying hi to you guys. And it's, it's, it's just, I love being able to do that. It's, uh, and every film that I've done, when they start doing the sculpts, I get in there and start having fun. Wow. Just no way not to. So, and then we've got some sculpts of, ghosts for a story that i'm working on look at that man this is cool wow man thank you for showing us this this is this is pretty incredible oh uh, we have so much fun you know we may spend a lot of money but we <laughs> all right yeah this stuff ain't all right so I, I love talking to you guys and and the way to keep up with what i'm doing is to go to hey bill joyce on instagram and I post what I'm working on, and you can kind of see the process. I'm, I'm, I'm not shy about showing and uh, what stinks and where I'm stuck, and then when I think I've, I've made a breakthrough. So it's delightful talking to you guys. Good luck with your parenting there. Mostly just listen to your kids. You know, they'll tell you where they want to go. Awesome. Thanks, Bill, so much for joining us. Thank you for asking, and and ha ask me back anytime. And y'all have all good luck during this time. Thanks, man. Okay. Bye-bye. Wow. How cool was that? That was awesome. Uh, thank you again to Bill Joyce for being our guest. Uh, please go follow him on Instagram. Please go follow us on Instagram, on Facebook. I hear we have a YouTube channel. Um, I hear that's a thing now. So check it out. Uh, thanks again for tuning in to Dad to the Bone. Until next time, stay safe and wash those hands.